Hello, everybody, and welcome to Krause's Corner. Once again, we are sponsored by Piano and Guitar Institute, and I thank you for joining me. My name is Dirk Krause. I am our host. Piano and Guitar Institute can be found online, pianoandguitarinstitute.com. They can be found on Facebook, Piano and Guitar Institute Online is the Facebook title, as well then on Instagram at Piano and Guitar Institute. So last week we were chatting about form in music and how the form dictates which note goes where, almost like a paint by number. Well, today we are going to do a deeper dive into one of my favorite forms. Um, It's one of those forms of music that you either love it or you hate it. And I'm guessing you have figured out what I am talking about. Yup, it is opera. Um, Opera, we're not going to talk about the notes as much as we are as what different types of operas there are, the history of the opera and how it evolved. But first of all, we got to kind of ask ourselves, what is an opera? I mean, I think we all have our own opinion, and and some of you might even say, ooh, opera, yuck. Um, Yeah, I used to think that too until I have been lucky enough to to see a handful of operas performed, and they are really quite amazing. But first of all, what is an opera? Well, there's a couple of characteristics of opera that have to be there or it cannot be opera. First of all, it's got to be a drama. Okay, there's got to be some tension and some resolution. There's got to be dialogue. Okay, it's got to be visual, visually pleasing, which means there's got to be scenery. Um, believe it or not, you've got to have some sort of action. Okay, there's got to be stuff happening on the stage. And then another huge characteristic of opera, and you put your put your thinking cap on because I promise you I am going to take this all the way to pop slash rock music. But opera needs to have almost 100% continuous music. Uh, think about that. Uh, as a composer, uh, Marriage of Figaro is a four-hour opera. Uh, that's a Mozart thing. And... Um, continuous music all the way through. There is a little bit of dialogue in Marriage of Figaro uh, where the orchestra stops, but for the most part, it is continuous. Think about Wagner's ring cycle. Um, For those of you that don't know, that takes four days to perform. That is a long opera. Now, I kind of misled you there. It's not four straight days. It is essentially four different operas that are uh, expected to be performed day one, day two, day three, day four in a row. Um, Anyways, the early opera was a bunch of what are called madrigal cycles. Uh, And what they did is they took a series of scenes um, and all they did is they kind of portrayed a scene. Each cycle, each madrigal was its own scene. Um, Early on, and I'm talking, you know, 16, 1700s here, we've got pastorals, which are just poems about nature. and, but then they were acted out on stage. We moved into the 18th century, the 1700s, and French uh, composers started adding ballet to their opera. 
um, and they, it was it was called French opera. And Lully was one of the most successful composers of that. And he actually added drama and ballet and called it tragedy lyrique, um, tragedy in the music. So uh, it had dancing, had ballet, as well as the drama and the action and the continuous music and the scenery. All right, moving on up. So do you start to see the common thread here is the action or the text Italian opera uh, still in the 18th century here. Italians took old text, old poems, and then set it to new music. Um, but the, the um, libretto or the text, the subjects that they chose to add music to is what made it Italian. Um, and as opera evolved, then the melody became a little more prominent. Um, so let's move on up now to French Grand Opera. One of my all-time favorites is the French Grand Opera. A good example of French Grand Opera is uh, Rossini's William Tell. Uh, that is the famous story about the dude that has to shoot the apple off the guy's head. Um, and that French Grand Opera, really what that did was put the excitement and the entertainment, uh, gave it a shot in the arm. So super, it was only French Grand if it was over the top, exciting um, and entertaining. And I don't know who the judge of that was. I don't know if they had Simon Cal there giving them a thumbs up or a thumbs down, but either way, um, they had to, to be French Grand Opera. The excitement and the entertainment had to be um, much, much more prominent. Um, and then for, let's move to the late 1800s where the, the text started to become a little less important, but the melody really started to stand out. One of my favorite examples of this is George Bizet. He wrote an opera called Carmen. If you have not ever heard Carmen, I bet you know one of the melodies, the Toreador song. Toreador, you know that song, right? Um, and so these melodies that became so prominent, another one of this time period is Sanson's Samson and Delilah. Um, absolutely phenomenal opera. I encourage all of you to, to stream, find YouTube, whatever some of these operas, because they will just encapsulate your attention and keep you glued to the screen. A few more things is the Italian comic opera. Um, and this is where the text uh, was meant to be. It's their version of the sitcom. Okay. Whether it's the office or Seinfeld or friends, whatever the Italian comic opera and some great examples of this is Rossini's Barbara Seville. Um, maybe you have even seen the Barbara Seville acted out by Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. Yeah, I just dated myself there, didn't I? Um, Mozart's Marriage of Figaro is an amazing opera, but it does get, in my opinion, a little long in the middle. Um, and then Verdi wrote an opera called Falstaff. And all three of those are just amazing examples of Italian com comic opera. Uh, moving over to the German romantic operas. These, again, are going to be the 1800s. Um, the what sets the Germans apart, again, is the plot, the text, 
everything that I'm talking about today. It has to do with the text, except for those later operas where the melody became a little more prominent, but it really boiled down to the text. And I, of course, in an episode or two, will relate this to pop music, I promise. So please hang with me. Anyways, let's wrap this up with German romantic opera. Um, and they drew their plots, their stories from medieval history, maybe even a legend or a fairy tale. Had supernatural beings. Ha ha ha. Sounds like some movies we may have recently seen. Uh, the human characters represented things like good and evil. Uh huh. Sound familiar? Um, so, the German one example of a great German romantic opera is going to be Der Frachschutz, uh, the free shot, um, a fantastic opera by Weber, Karl Marie von Weber. Um, Uh, there's a great scene at the end where the good guy's trying to get out of uh, the wolf's den. So it's just awesome, awesome opera. I encourage you to check out all of the operas and the styles of opera that we chatted about today. Um, the big thing I want you to take away from today's podcast is the importance of the text. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week.